0: Lots of songs have been used as anthems for particular causes or movements, but probably only one for a transit system. The song is the story of Charlie, a hapless commuter who finds himself trapped on the T, Boston's subway system. This is Off The Path from WSHU Public Radio. I'm Davis Donovan. I'm in search of strange stories and amazing histories on the road from New York to Boston. I'm not always in a car. This time, I'm getting on the train. I go through a turnstile and scan my prepaid ticket, called a Charlie card. This card would have been called something different today if not for a song called MTA, made famous by the Kingston Trio in 1959.
1: Well, let me tell you of the story of a man named Charlie on a tragic and fateful day he put 10 cents in his pocket kissed his wife and family went to ride on the MTA
0: well, but then Charlie couldn't get off the train because he had to pay an extra nickel to get off
1: he may ride forever beneath the streets of Boston he's the man who never returns
0: the song at the end appears to be a campaign ad for someone named George O'Brien. Fight the fair
1: increase, vote for George O'Brien, get for Charlie of the NDA, or else he'll never return.
0: The whole thing sounds like a joke, but it was written for a real mayoral candidate. His name wasn't George, though. It was Walter O'Brien. The Kingston Trio changed the name, and I'll explain why later. Walter O'Brien ran for mayor of Boston back in 1949. He was a labor leader and a member of the Progressive Party. And there was a group of musicians that wrote songs for his campaign. It included Bess Lomax of the famous Lomax folk music dynasty. And there was Sam Berman, now 96. Berman says one day, the group got together to come up with a song. Another musician was there too, named Jackie Steiner.
2: Jackie thought you would try something based on the ship that never returned, which, uh, which was a traditional tune, was the wreck of the old
0: 97. Here's early country music star Vernon Dalhart singing the wreck of the old 97.
1: They give him his orders at Monroe, Virginia, saying, Pete, you are way behind time.
0: This is how the group rewrote the song, but sung here by the Kingston Trio.
1: Charlie handed in his dime at the Kendall Square station and he changed for Jamaica plane. When he got there, the conductor told him one more nickel. Charlie couldn't get off of that train. But did he ever return?
0: Sam Berman said the writers came up with the new lyrics because one of O'Brien's big campaign issues was a recent increase in subway fares. And the way they
2: put in the increase, if you got off the subway system... You had to pay another nickel to get off. So my brother Arnold and I were joking that if you didn't have a nickel, you got trapped in the system. And Jackie used that
0: joke as the basis for the MTA song. And as for Charlie, that wasn't the first name Jackie Steiner gave the hapless commuter. She had called the
2: man on the subway system, Angus. And we felt that's dangerous because people would just think... He was a tight Scotchman rather than somebody without the money to pay for the extra nickel.
0: Walter O'Brien came in dead last in the election of 49. The folk musicians continued to play MTA because they liked it. And then it caught the attention of the Kingston Trio. And that's how I and most other people heard it. But the Kingston Trio changed Walter's name to George. Walter O'Brien was part of the Progressive Party, and in the 1950s, that carried an association with communism. The Kingston Trio didn't want that association. Again, Sam Berman.
2: My feeling was that it was cowardly. Walter O'Brien was, was the name. That was the song we wrote it for, and they should have used the name, but the fact that they used the song at all, well, we liked the fact that the song got out.
0: A few years after O'Brien lost his mayoral race, he was targeted as a communist by the Massachusetts Commission on Communism during the country's Red Scare. I went to visit Walter's daughter, Julia O'Brien Merrill. She says her father made no apologies about his politics.
3: Yeah, he was a labor organizer. That's what it says on my birth certificate. I was born in 1950.
0: Walter O'Brien and his wife were involved in many progressive causes, from labor issues to women's rights.
3: They were on the picket lines and they were called before the special committee in Massachusetts and pled the fifth many, many, many times. And, but basically were blacklisted and couldn't get jobs.
0: The family was forced to leave Boston for small town Maine, where Walter ran a bookstore. Julia says her father never held a grudge against the Kingston Trio for changing his name.
3: He loved the song and particularly in 1959 when he heard it on the radio, he was jumping up and down saying, we're famous, we're famous.
1: Charlie's wife goes down to the Scully Square station every day at quarter past two. And through the open window, she hands Charlie a sandwich as the train comes rumbling through. But did he ever return?
0: No. Today, most people in Boston have never heard of Walter O'Brien, but every
3: commuter knows Charlie and his image. So if you see the card, you'd see that, you know, as he's passing through Scully Square, you know, with his hand out the window to grab the sandwich from his wife. That's Dan Grabowskis of the MBTA. The B for Boston was added later.
0: Dan explains how the card got its name.
3: So the MBTA was um, not the last, but one of the last of the big uh, systems to actually convert from the old token system to something more modern. We're trying to come up with a name. That was in 2006. There was a whole
0: public relations campaign. The MBTA had the Boston Globe ask readers for ideas, and there were some good ones.
3: The lobster card, the cod card, um, even spelled C-A-H-D, you know, kind of playing on the Boston accent.
0: But Grabowskis thought it would be fun to call it the Charlie card. He presented the idea to the governor of Massachusetts, Mitt Romney. Turns out Romney was a fan of the song, too. Grabowskis remembers Romney burst out in song right in the middle of the office and sang the whole first verse. So
3: it was decided. Charlie just sounded friendly. It had a great historic connection, and we had a ready-made anthem to go with the with the new product. Grabowskis says he knows the
0: song's got some strong politics behind it.
3: This was actually discussed. We thought amongst ourselves, there were some people who said, are you sure we should be taking a song that's basically against the MBTA raising fares? I was I was one of those who said, you know what? Fare increases are fare increases. It shows that it's not not everything old is new again. Um, And, you know, maybe we could be a little bit self deprecating. You know, if we're poking fun at ourselves a little bit, that's always not such a bad thing to do. So if it happened to be a protest song, so much the better.
0: The song still retains a bit of its old rebelliousness. During the nationwide Occupy protests in 2012, a group called Occupy the MBTA set up Camp Charlie on the steps of the Massachusetts State House in Boston. They chanted and sang songs, including, of course, MTA.
1: Beat the streets of Boston, he's the man who never
2: returned. He's the man who never returned. Woo, woo. He's the man who never returned. Free Charlie for all! Free Charlie! Free Charlie! Free Charlie!
0: This is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. I'm Davis Donovan. You'll find me anywhere from New York to Boston looking for the most fascinating stories out there.